Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yo, yo. Welcome to another post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And the Lakers played a game tonight. And as I'm sure you know by now, they lost uh, 109 to 101 to the Joel Embiid list Philadelphia 76ers, though the Lakers, of course, were without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, but before we get into this game, and I'm going to keep my thoughts on the game pretty brief because uh, th- this has kind of been the same script for the last couple games now. Uh, and I-, I think you guys know where I, I stand on things overall. Uh, but we have to talk about the trade deadline. And you know today was deadline day. And it was a pretty active uh, last few hours, as we've come to expect uh, over the last half decade or so, uh, where there's just this flurry of information and tweets and uh, trades after the deadline uh, that you you know you're kind of like were they actually on the phone at at you know uh, 3 p.m. Eastern or or you know what, what you know what's going on here with some of these last second deals that just kind of come out of nowhere like 15 minutes after the deadline but I think the, you know the three most notable trades were uh, Nikola Vucevic to the Bulls uh, I think that makes the Bulls a stronger playoff contender you know I I don't think it puts them on that Brooklyn uh, you know they're not on that level of, of a Brooklyn or a Philly or a Milwaukee or a Miami um, I don't even know if I'd put them on that I don't think I'd put them on that like Boston Indiana well Boston Indiana Toronto even like the Knicks, I don't know. Like, there's somewhere in that like Knicks, Hawks, Hornets mix, and and maybe they're the best of that group now. Um, but I still think they're, you know, at best like the seventh best team in the East, and and maybe that's even optimistic. Um, then you had Aaron Gordon to Denver, which I think is a a really solid move. Um, you know, I, I think he he gives them a dynamic. Uh, you know, similar to Jeremy Grant, you know, I, I think that's that, that's been the comparison made all day. Uh, I, I do think that Aaron Gordon, at least the, I think he's he's better than the version of Jeremy Grant we saw in Denver, and I think he could do pretty much everything Jeremy Grant can do, but but also provide a little bit more of an offensive punch. Now we are, you know, we we're seeing at the season what Jeremy Grant's doing in Detroit. But he had not shown that at all throughout his career uh, beforehand. You know, be it in Denver, OKC, in Philly, like he was not that type of uh, ISO pick and roll. You know, uh, drive to the rim, like and finish and pull up and hit step back jumpers and all that stuff. Like he was not showing that in any of his previous stops. That is something completely new to Detroit, and a reason why I think. He probably should win most improved player. Um, but, you know, Aaron Gordon can already do some of that stuff. And you don't want him as your primary shot creator, your primary scorer and, and you know, shot taker. 
But if he is your third or fourth guy, I, I think that's a much better role for him. And playing off of Nikola Jokic, playing off of Jamal Murray, I do think this raises Denver's ceiling. You know, I, I do think that I still put the Lakers at full strength as the best team in the West, if not the best team in the league. I would still probably put the Clippers second, though I don't love the Rondo move. Uh, I, I think that there's a chance that the Clippers take a, a slight step back in terms of their ceiling. Um, I, I get the trading for a point guard. I, I just don't think that Rondo was the right guy. Uh, and, you know, he, he did have the, you know, the bubble run with the Lakers. But I, I think if you're counting on him to hit 40% of his threes again, I just I think that that's a bit of fool's gold, and it was a bit of you know I think one of the benefits that the Lakers got from the bubble was some of the shooting that they benefited from you know particularly from a guy like Rondo, uh, and and I just don't see that carrying over. And for as bad as Lou Williams has been at times in, in the postseason, um, I, I do you know I, I don't know I don't know if Rondo's closing games like is he closing over Pat Beverly and not to go too much in the Clippers I, I just these are my trade deadline thoughts right and. Uh, so, but I think Denver has a case now. Like, I, I think if you were ranking pre-trade deadline, I probably would have gone, you know, Lakers first, Clippers second, and then I, I'm splitting hairs right there with with Utah versus Phoenix for third. Uh, you know, obviously Utah's had the better regular season up to this point, but you put those two teams against each other in a playoff series, and you know, I, I would not be surprised if Chris Paul and Devin Booker were the two best players in that series. Uh, I'm not saying they are, but I think they can get to that. You know, they can play to that level, in which case, you know, Phoenix probably wins that series. So I think that's really splitting hairs. But I thought Denver was a little bit below that, right? Like I probably would have put them at, at fifth in the West, which is where they currently are in the standings. And I think, you know, coming off of a conference finals run, that would have been disappointing, right? Because, you know, if you're fifth in the West, you're probably not even getting out of the first round. Uh, and I think now you can make a case that they're right there with Utah and Phoenix. And I think you can maybe make a case they're above those two teams and, and right behind the two LA teams. Like I, I think having Jokic playing at an MVP level, having Murray, who we saw step up in the postseason, uh, Michael Porter Jr., who continues to get better, now adding, I think JaVale McGee was a sne- uh, sneaky pickup for them. You know, they didn't really have that backup center presence. Uh, it was, you know, Paul Millsap or Jermichael Green. And, um, you know, you don't need that many minutes from uh, you know, that position because you have Nikola Jokic, who's going to play, you know, 38, 40 minutes in the playoffs. But I think this makes uh, Denver better. You know, I, I think Denver is, is probably the the biggest winner of the trade deadline. And I know that's not like a shocking take by any by any means, but I, I, I am in, in that camp of I think Denver got better. And I think they are you know, probably in my opinion on that, it's now a, you know, I think tier one is the Lakers. I think tier two is the Clippers. And then now I think tier three is Denver, Utah, Phoenix in some order, depending on how you view the best players and the depth and the coaching and all those different factors. Uh, But I'm very bullish on Denver now in terms of their ability to not only potentially get out of the first round, but you know, depending on who they play, potentially even make a, a second conference finals run as long as they're not playing the Lakers in either of the first two rounds. So I think Denver's definitely in the mix now, which I, I don't think they were uh, beforehand. Uh, so I think they're the biggest winner. But, but then you also have 
uh, Victor Oladipo going to Miami, and you, you look at that price of Kelly Olenek, uh, Avery Bradley, who might now uh, be bought out and could potentially be a candidate for the Lakers, uh, and then that first-round uh, pick swap, which uh, you know it doesn't really make sense because Miami's going to have a better record than Houston. Um, like I, I just, I'm, I'm pretty shocked that Victor Oladipo's value is that low. I do get that he has not played at an all-star level. He's not even played at like a above average level. You know, he, he's been very mediocre this season, but I just think based on his pedigree, his athleticism, um, his skill set, like, you know, and, and then him also being in a weird Indiana situation where he was the go-to guy. He was the franchise, you know, player. He, he was the all-star. And then all of a sudden the rug was kind of pulled um, you know, uh, out from under him uh, you, due to injuries more than anything. But then now you have DeMontis Sabonis, who's become their go-to guy. He's the, the face of the franchise. He's the all-star. Uh, you, you have Malcolm Brogdon, who was brought in and has played at a borderline all-star level, very high level. Um, even now adding, a, you know, well, Karis LeVert was in the trade, but like uh, even TJ Warren last year had a really good year and, and was one of their go-to scorers. Like, I, I just think, you know, think the dynamic changed. You know, through injury more than anything for for Victor Oladipo. So the Indiana situation was weird, and then going to Houston. Like, I mean, that's been the most dysfunctional situation. Uh, you know, of the season, right? Like, and, and just with first James Harden, and then uh, just the, the the losing and the losing streak, and just everything that's been going on there, uh, and, and them just not really having direction. Like, I don't. I don't blame Victor Oladipo for underachieving in either of those two situations. So I do think Miami is a great spot for him. And I think this actually benefits the Lakers because I think that Miami, you know, if, if you looked at the East, I, I thought they're, you know, similarly, I'm going to use tiers again. Like I think right now it looks like Brooklyn's on tier one. And then tier two is Philly and Milwaukee. And, and maybe it's tier 1.5. I, I think, Either one of those teams could beat Brooklyn, but I would still pick Brooklyn in you know six games or so, maybe over either of them. Uh, but but I, I do think they're capable of beating Brooklyn uh, at their peak. Uh, and you know both teams are much better defensively than Brooklyn, which is why I think they have the advantage. Uh, it, it just kind of comes down to you know it doesn't matter how good you are defensively. Like Brooklyn just might be so good offensively that um, that alone is kind of the difference and. They've still only played seven games with their big three, so they're still kind of figuring that out. But um, I think now Miami gets back into that mix, right? Like, in, in you know, similar to Denver, they were kind of having a down season after making, you know, in Miami's case, the the, the finals and, and pushing the Lakers to six. And uh, you know, I, I think now looking at their roster and and the potential, you know, they didn't have to give up Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. And, you know, I think just basically adding Oladipo for Avery Bradley and Kelly Olnick, like, I think it's a, it's a smart gamble and it's a gamble that can really pay off. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I still think more likely than not, Victor Oladipo is like their fifth or sixth best player than like their third best player, the way some people might be projecting it out. Uh, but he's in the mix. And if he does become their third best player, that is such a steal of a trade, and I, I just think it makes the East a lot tougher. Where now, you know, Miami, maybe it is Brooklyn, Miami, uh, in that one versus four or five matchup, and that makes it 
a lot tougher for Brooklyn. And, and I mean, uh, yeah, and, and that's a six or seven game series, right? Um, and, and, you know, if you're the Lakers, like you want the East to beat up on each other and, and have a bunch of six and seven game series and uh, have those, you know, have their legs get tired and just have to play heavy minutes. And I think the East was looking like a three-team conference and Miami has now re-entered the picture. They had been playing better overall recently, but now with uh, adding Oladipo, like I, I think Miami is right back up near the top of the East. So uh, I know I, I've yet to even really talk about the Lakers on this podcast, but uh, I thought especially with, with Denver and Miami, there are some interesting things that have some ancillary effects with the Lakers, right? So, you know, I, I think the, the West... The top of the West got stronger uh, in, in Denver getting better and the top of the East got stronger in Miami getting better. And I think both teams made a jump in, in terms of their tier and it is going to make the playoffs a little bit tougher, not necessarily for the Lakers. I mean, maybe if they end up in the four or five and have to play Denver, like I think this Denver team is better than they were 24 hours ago. But I, you know, I don't really think that affects the Lakers in that way, but it could affect who they play. You know, if Denver knocks off a Utah or Phoenix where maybe they weren't going to before. So um, that's my two cents on kind of the moves that happened today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We got to get into the move that didn't happen today. And that is Kyle Lowry not being traded uh, and specifically not being traded to the Lakers. And as Bill Oram and I, uh, my colleague, reported today, uh, we were told by multiple sources that uh, the Lakers and the Raptors discussed a trade that would have sent both of LA's starting backcourt players, Dennis Schroeder and uh, KCP, and some type of draft compensation. It's unclear if that was a second round pick, two second round picks, uh, the 2027 first round pick, uh, but some type of draft compensation to Toronto for Lowry and uh, the, the sticking point in all of this and the primary reason it did not happen was THT. Toronto wanted THT. Uh, you know, they did not view the draft compensation, uh, whatever form that was, as enough for taking on KCP's contract, uh, for, for doing the Dennis-Kyle swap. And they wanted THT. And that's where the Lakers decided to draw the line in the sand. And uh, you know they're they're very high on THT. Um, you know he, he's 20. He he's obviously taken a not just a step but probably multiple steps this season. You know going from a mid second round pick who only played in a handful of games and and had a nice couple moments in the playoffs to a legitimate part of the rotation, uh, a guy who's played starter minutes at, at certain points, a guy who's closed games in certain points, and um, you know he's still struggling with consistency and you know uh his shot and his off-ball defense but his ball handling ability his ability to get to the rim his ability to finish uh with, with you know the, the funky backhand shot 
uh, and you know his ability to now he's he's added that uh, you know kind of spinning step back. I think he has shown some progress as a shooter defensively. He he has the length, he has the body. Um, so I, I think I, I understand why the Lakers are so high on him. Um, but uh, I think the, the most interesting thing from our reporting was that one of the reasons why uh, because the, the the Lakers as a suitor for Kyle Lowry emerged within the last 48 hours or so and I think it caught me off guard you know I, I didn't think they had enough to even be in the conversation but I also didn't think they were you know I was like okay well if they're going for Kyle Lowry like you almost have to trade Dennis right like it doesn't make sense to keep Dennis at his price and the price he's going to want most likely um, you know, he's not going to be a backup. He's already said he wants to start. So if you're going for Kyle Lowry, like you, you have to give up Dennis. Like that is kind of the base of the package. And then you're going to add in, you got to add in some matching salary. You got to add in probably some assets, be it a pick or one of the younger players, um, you know, probably being THT or, or you know, Alex Caruso. Uh, so I was like, you know, I'm interested in how the Lakers are approaching this. And, you know, we were told, of course, you know, Dennis and KCP were, were the, the, the base of that discussion. But a reason why uh, Dennis was in, included and the Lakers were willing to trade him was because, you know, the, the sides have been negotiating uh, their contract extension. And, you know, the, the Lakers offered Dennis right when they acquired him a two year, $33.4 million extension, uh, which he rejected because he wanted more years, more money. Uh, he, he wanted to be a free agent um, or extend with them. But as of February 16th, he could sign a longer extension with them. So he wanted to wait till at least that February 16th date so he could sign a longer extension um, and or just test free agency and then you know hopefully get a bigger contract there. Uh, but the uh, kind of issue is there's a gap right now. And uh, you know Dennis is seeking a multi-year extension and or a multi-year contract in free agency. And he's looking for more than 20 million per year. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're kind of doing the math, uh, you could that could be a three or four year deal starting at, you know, in, in the three-year case, 60 plus million, in the four-year case, 80 plus million. And obviously, you know, can go even higher to, you know, low to, to mid 20s. So I, I think, and, you know, from what, we were told that there is a gap between what the Lakers want to pay him and are offering him and what Dennis wants. Uh, so that was ultimately the reason that they were willing to include him because they just viewed it as, you know, we're not sure, you know, we're not in agreement currently on the contract extension. We're not sure we're going to be able to reach his number this off season. So in that case, why not flip him for a better player you know, albeit a more expensive player and an older player, but definitely a better player. And I put a, a table in the story that you can compare uh, Kyle and Dennis, and it's just, it's not, it's it might be actually closer than you think in, in some ways. Like, you know, some of the advanced metrics, uh, they are pretty close, though they all are in Kyle's favor. Uh, but, you know, Kyle, 17, basically 17 and a half points, seven and a half assists, uh, whereas Dennis is 15 points, four and a half assists. Uh, Dennis, I mean, uh, Kyle shooting 8% better on threes. He has a uh, true shooting percentage that's almost 6% better, uh, averaging more steals and actually a lower usage rate, which I found very interesting is that, um, you know, he actually has the ball in his hands 
you know, not as much as Dennis does when Dennis is on the court and when Kyle's on the court, yet he's scoring more and dishing out more assists. So he's more efficient with the ball in his hands. And I just, you know, defensively, I think that they're probably pretty, pretty close, but Kyle is bigger. He's stronger. Um, and, you know, D- Dennis is quicker. He's got a little bit more length, I think. Uh, but, but Kyle is a guy who can, you know, defend twos, even defend some threes, depending on the matchup. So, I, I mean, I think Dennis to Kyle would have been a clear upgrade. Um, you know, I, I'm of that belief. Uh, I think Kyle Lowry would have given, you know, people don't really think of him as like a superstar or even an all-star. You know, he wasn't an all-star this season, but I think it would have given the Lakers a, a big three. You know, I, I, I think, and honestly, like with LeBron and AD, I, I think being better than KD and, and, and James Harden, you know, it's, it's pretty close, but I would give the Lakers the edge there. Like, I, I think Kyle and Kyrie's is pretty close too. you know, I, I would give Kyrie the edge, but, um, you know, I, I think on, on paper, people would be like, oh, the, the Nets big three is, is clearly better. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, you know, I, I think it, it is closer than the average fan would think. So I get why the Lakers were pursuing Kyle. I get why they didn't trade for Kyle. I think the THT sticking point is interesting because that does sort of force the Lakers hand and like you don't want to not trade for Kyle Lowry and then lose THT this summer. So it is kind of like, okay, if you're not including THT in this trade, like you kind of have to go out and re-sign him. Now it's going to be interesting to see what type of figure he gets, but my best guess, and from what I've been told per source, it sounds like it'll be somewhere in that mid-level range, depending on his performance over the rest of the season. So I think the Lakers have some really interesting decisions in free agency coming up. You got Dennis being a free agent, uh, THT, Alex, Trez can opt out, Wes and Keefe, who are, you know, back end of the rotation guys, but I think have had solid moments this year. I think Keefe has played a lot better recently. Wes has played a lot better recently. I think people aren't talking about it enough, but the last couple of weeks, Wes has been coming along and looking more like himself. I think you know, the Lakers are, are going to have some difficult decisions in terms of who to bring back and, and salaries and walkaway points. And I think that the Dennis situation is really interesting. And then he talked to us post game after the game and said that his intention is to resign with the Lakers. And that is his goal. He's very happy in LA, but he's claiming that he said it earlier in the season. I don't remember it. And I was just looking at the quotes. So maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's an honest mistake and I missed it, but I don't remember him saying this, but he's like, I want to test free agency. I want to explore my market. I want to see what my value is. Like, I want to see how much teams want me. And, you know, I do still want to stay with the Lakers and play for the Lakers. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I kind of want to test this stuff. So that's really interesting. And, um, you know, Dennis is a very candid guy. You know, he set that tone from the beginning of the season when he said he wanted to start and kind of put pressure on the Lakers when um, I think they were trying to figure out what starting lineup they wanted to go with. And it was like, okay, it's Mark, AD, LeBron, and KCP. But that fifth spot, do we want to go with Dennis? Do we want to bring him off the bench, keep him as a sixth man, have him run, pick and roll with Montrez Harrell, you know, similar to what Lou Williams did with, with the Clippers. Uh, you know, Do we want to start Wes and, and kind of keep that two-wing uh, starting group around LeBron? Do we want to start Alex? And, you know, he, he's probably the closest to Avery Bradley on the team skill set wise. And, you know, Avery was the uh, you know the starter last season before the bubble. So I think the Lakers were, were looking at multiple things. And Dennis kind of came out and, and forced their hand. Uh, and, you know, he's not been shy to share his opinion this season 
on many things. And, you know, that's, I think there's something admirable to that, right? Like I, I think, um, especially being in the media, like you, you want that realness from an athlete. And I think it's been a, a fun experience covering Dennis from that perspective where you just never know what's going to come out of his mouth. And, and, um, you know, just, I think there, there's an, uh, there's just a candidness there that is very rare. And, um, you know, I, I think, it's it's just been a a, a bit of a, a ride and tonight was was another part of that where you know him kind of like to me i think if you if you watch the video uh which i'm sure it'll be on on youtube or, or somewhere like he does seem annoyed in my opinion uh with the talk you know he's like this is a business and you know i i know that i've learned that and um, like I think he was a little irked about being included in trade talks and um, that they have not come to a contract extension yet. So it, it's, you know, he keeps saying he wants it to be fair. He, he you know, it needs to be fair for both sides, which I think is is coded language for uh, pay me the amount I think I'm worth. And, and clearly that amount is 20 plus million. And um, if you ask me personally, like my, you know, put on my analyst hat and, and give you a, a honest answer, I do not think he's worth 20 million. Um, I, I would be looking at paying Dennis 16 to 18 million. Um, I, I think once you get over that 18 million mark, uh, like I, I just think if you look at the point guards that are getting paid 18 plus million, I, I'm, I feel like then, you know, and of course there's the, the Westbrooks and, and the John Walls and like, some of these guys that have gotten ridiculous contracts, but like it, it just, he's not on that level. And, and, you know, the, some of the guys that have gotten that money that, you know, I look at a guy like Eric Bledsoe and I'm like, is, De- is Dennis, you know, do we view that contract as like, you know, Eric Bledsoe esque in two to three years uh, when, you know, and I, I think it, you know, I, I talked about it on the weekly pod with, with Bill and, and Anthony. Um, I, I think, like this stretch is, is on one hand, like Dennis is putting up better numbers, but it's also like, this is what happens when, when, you know, Dennis is your best player and he's running the show. And of course it would look much different if LeBron and AD were there. But I also think, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing when, when you have Dennis at the helm um, fully, like this is kind of what it looks like. Like the offense struggles, the, the, the team is losing games. And, um, you know, I, I know it's not, you know, they are missing a lot of salary and they're, they're two best players. And, you know, of course, if, if this team was built around Dennis, you know, they, they'd have that extra salary. They could get different players. Like it's not a, a perfect, you know, straightforward comparison, but I am just, I, I do think like if Dennis is viewing himself as a 20 plus million dollar player, like I, I do think you, you need to start like, you know, the, the Cleveland game will be telling. Like if they cannot beat Cleveland uh, and they can't beat Orlando, like that, that is a glaring red flag to me that like, you know, I just, I, I, that, that to me, like if you are the third best guy on a championship caliber team uh, or, or championship team, which I think Dennis probably is their third best guy, um, you, you should be able to lead your team uh, to, to wins over like lottery teams. Right. So, uh, and I do think the Lakers are, you know, I've already said it earlier in the week. I think the Lakers are going to beat the Cavs. I think they're going to beat the magic, but um, if they don't, for whatever reason, I do think that is a little bit concerning with, with kind of viewing Dennis as a third guy. And ultimately we'll see in the playoffs how he performs. And, you know, the only thing that really matters is LeBron and AD getting back and, and then Dennis kind of fitting in around that. But um, I think 
you know, it, personally, I don't think he's worth that much. Uh, I, I get why the Lakers might feel compelled to do it. They want to keep him. Uh, it's going to be hard to replace him. There aren't many great point guard free agents. Um, and I think he has fit really well. I think he's played well. And, and you know, again, has probably been their third best player, all things considered. But uh, I, I just, I'm not sure uh, that he's worth that. And especially, you know, maybe if it's a shorter deal, if, if you want to pay him, I don't know, 22, 23, even upwards of 25, but it's a two-year deal, you know, okay, give him 246, 248. I'm more open to that. But when it gets to like, I want the four years and I want the 20 plus, and now we're talking like, you know, four years, 85, four years, 90. That to me is just a little bit too high, but you know, we'll see, right? Like we'll, we'll, we'll see in the coming months. Um, maybe they come to a contract extension and uh, that, you know, we'll, we'll see what figure that is. But uh, it looks like from what uh, Bill and I have been told, they are not close to coming to an agreement. And, you know, as Dennis basically said today, he wants to go into free agency. He wants to test free agency. Uh, he wants to stay with the Lakers, but he still wants to test free agency. So that, you know, basically is him coming out and saying, like, I'm not going to sign an extension. I want to go to free agency and then make my decision there. So um, th that's kind of my thoughts on the trade deadline. Like, other than that, um, I, I didn't really think there was anything for the Lakers to do. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe it would have been interesting expanding the, the Toronto trade. Had they not moved Norm Powell, I think you maybe could have talked me into including THT in the first round pick uh, if you got Norm Powell back and it ended up being, you know, essentially Dennis, KCP, THT, the first round pick uh, for uh, Kyle and, and Norm. I think that would have been an interesting fake trade. Uh, but aside from that, like, you know, just looking at the landscape, I, I didn't really think there was anything the Lakers could have done. Uh, maybe they could have gotten in on, on the Oladipo sweepstakes, but I don't like I think he helps them in, in the short term and, and maybe it helps them overall, depending on what they would have had to give up. But, you know, it probably would have had to have been KCP and Trez or, or some kind of version of that uh, just to make the money work. But I, I think, you know, like he, he's not a shooter. And I do think that if the Lakers are adding a perimeter player, and that to me was one of the appealing things of, of Lowry is he's you know, basically a 40% three-point shooter taking seven plus threes a game. Like that is a efficient, above average, high volume three-point shooter. And, you know, Oladipo is not that. So I don't think it would have been as clean of a fit. But, you know, uh, I think the Lakers are just going to play the buyout market. Uh, you know, they are the front runners. Uh, you know, in that mix for Andre Drummond, uh, they are expected to also go after a defensive wing player uh, and, you know, a, a guy who hopefully can shoot. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, you know, like I think they're in a good spot. And especially if they get Drummond, I think standing Pat uh, ended up, you know, probably working out for them. But did have a game, as I said earlier, 109-101. Uh, I'm going to keep it brief. Uh, I, I thought, you know, good things from this game. I thought Kuz had a pretty good game, uh, 25 points, nine rebounds, uh, but was crucial in that fourth quarter. Ended up playing 42 minutes, and I, I thought that was an underrated subplot, uh, you know, or just under-discussed uh, kind of storyline with, with this game. Was that, like, at the end, you know, Kuz misses the free throw, you know, goes to the free throw line, uh, and, 
you know, was four or five at the free throw line, so had made you know made his other four. I thought he just looked gassed, right? And then he had the rotation out to Danny Green, which was a solid rotation. You know, was was maybe a half second, quarter second late, uh, and Danny Green hit a really tough shot. But I also thought that was just Kuz being a little tired. Uh, so I, I think you know Kuz had to play forty two minutes. Uh, Dennis had to play thirty nine. Treads played 33. Like you, you saw some heavier minutes. I think that also kind of showed that Frank really wanted to win this game, right? Because when you're playing that heavy of minutes in a non-overtime regular season game, like you know, 42 minutes, 39 minutes, like that's clear. Your coach is going for it, right? And and you know, I, I think Frank uh, and the Lakers are frustrated. They don't want to keep losing these games. You know, Alfonso McKinney, who'd kind of been in the rotation a little bit, only played four minutes. Um, Alex only played 14 minutes. Uh, you know, Mark played 15. He was on a minutes restriction. Uh, Keith only played 15. So, you know, he, he did go smaller. Uh, he, he being Frank, uh, with, with, um, you know, like a a lot of Trez, uh, not much Mark because of the minutes restriction, not much Keith. It was a lot of, you know, Trez and Kuz, uh, and then you know rotating uh, you know the the, the guards uh, across the other you know three perimeter positions. Uh, so I thought Kuz had a good game. I thought Dennis had a good game. Uh, you know turnovers continue to be an issue for him. You know he had 20 points and 11 assists, but he had six turnovers. And I think you are seeing during this stretch the the limitations of having a Dennis run offense is that. He is very turnover prone and, and he can telegraph passes, make some questionable decisions. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, I, I thought overall had a good game. KCP had a really nice game, 19 points, hit three threes, uh, even got to the free throw line a little bit, but six of 10, you know, you, you love to see that from KCP. Uh, Trez had a Trez game, you know, 20 points, eight rebounds, eight of 13 uh, shooting. Uh, the rest of the bench was pretty quiet, you know, uh, ev- aside from Trez, the rest of the bench scored seven points. Uh, so THT one for six, w- you know, was, was inefficient and just had one of those nights where he just, you know, like I said earlier, he's not been consistent this season and has some nights where he looks like a, a future uh, high level starter and, and some nights where he looks like a seventh or eighth guy. And, and you know, he, he's been kind of all over the place in, in that regard. Um Wes, who had been shooting the ball better, had a had a West game from earlier, uh, one for three from three. Uh, but you know, b- big news um, from from this game was Marcus Sol returned. He had his 15 minute minutes restriction, and uh, he admitted after the game that he suffered from COVID and he had to deal with uh, difficulty breathing. He had to deal with really bad headaches. Uh, he said it wiped him out for a good five or six days. Uh, unfortunately, it spread throughout his household, so his wife and, and children got it. Uh, and he, you know, basically emphasized like this isn't a joke. Um, and, you know, not to turn this into a P, uh, you know, a COVID PSA, but it's like he was just saying like, you know, I was taking it seriously before, but once I actually experienced it, it just kind of took it to a different level of of my, um, you know, kind of understanding of things and, and how serious this is and. Uh, you know, ultimately he was fortunate where, you know, there's been no serious uh, ramifications from it, but it, it was pretty rough for his household for about a week or so there. So, um, you know, Mark, I thought the offense flowed better with, with his, um, you know, handoffs and, and delay actions and, and the spacing and 
the screening and, and just um, you know him him doing Marcus Soul things. Uh, I, I thought it was a welcome addition. Um, as far as the bad stuff, I mean Danny like the three point shooting was just so one sided in this. Lakers are only nine to twenty six, uh, which isn't even like a horrible night. You know, right there, just under thirty five percent. Uh, but Philly was 17 of 45 and, you know, basically made 38% of their threes. And though the Lakers uh, scored more points in the paint, though they uh, scored 10 more free throws, uh, you know, made 10 more free throws and, and took 12 more free throws overall, uh, you know, having some of those advantages of, you know, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, they lost the three-point battle by eight which is a 24 point difference. And that, you know, I, I think is enough to, to swing this game. Right. And, you know, th- they ended up only losing by eight, but uh, you know, I think you, you look at it also 20 turnovers to 22 assists, almost a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio. That is just inexcusable. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I thought, like Philly had the two best players on the court, right? In Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. Uh, and honestly, in this game, they had the third best player on the court in Danny Green, who just, you know, in his return, shot out of his mind, hit eight threes. Eight of his nine field goals were threes uh, for, for a game high 28 points. Um, you know, there's just nothing you could really do about it when a guy gets that hot. And, you know, Danny Green almost matched the Lakers' entire, you know, team three point shooting. So, um, just another game where the Lakers had a really bad third quarter. They, they talked about it afterward that that has killed them in the last three games. And, you know, I guess including this one, the last four, where they've had just these dud of a quarter that, um, you know, they, they don't reach 20 points. They, they usually lose the quarter by at least 10 points, but in some cases, you know, 15, 20 points. And that's been the difference in these games where they've actually been able to compete with some of these teams that have, you know, be it Philly or, or Phoenix or, or New Orleans, like they've been able to c- compete for two and a half, three quarters. It's been that you know other quarter, quarter and a half that has really cost them. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into this because we, we got the Cleveland game and then uh, we got the Orlando game. And I, I think there, there's going to be some more positives from those games, uh, at least hopefully for the Lakers. But uh, yeah, I mean, four game losing streak, four seed in the West, a game and a half up on, on Denver at, uh, you know, the five seed, uh, things aren't looking great in, in the short term, but I, I think the Lakers have in, invested in THT. They are investing to an extent in Dennis. They are heavily in the mix for Andre Drummond. So you, you get Drummond, uh, you, you already got Mark back. You add AD and LeBron, you know, within the coming weeks. And I think, you know, by late April, you, you try to make that push, uh, to, to maybe be the three or four seed and uh, you know, de- depending on where they are and you just try to go to the playoffs with some momentum. Like I, I think that's, that's sort of the best case scenario for the Lakers right now. Like in the meantime, without LeBron and AD, they are going to drop most games. If they're not playing a clear lottery team, they're probably going to lose the game. You know, it's just the, the reality of the situation. Uh, and, you know, adding Kyle Lowry, I think would have helped. Uh, he he would have helped run the offense. He, he would have been a, a high level um you know, three-point shooter and, and playmaker, but that didn't happen. So I think for, for them, it's just, you know, figuring out the identity. I think it's a lot of Dennis, uh, Trez, pick and roll. I think it's a lot of getting out transition. I, I do think it is taking more threes. 
Uh, you know, Kuz has looked more comfortable recently um, in, in his role. So I think things are trending slightly upwards despite the loss and the four-game losing streak. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in the meantime, Lakers are going to take their lumps. But thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I, I know this was a, a long podcast, so if you made it to this point, I appreciate it. Uh, but wanted to get my thoughts out on the trade deadline and the Lakers part of it, other teams part of it, and and then talk a little bit about this game. So um, again, thank you guys for listening. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha, at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you've not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, The Athletic, wherever you get your podcasts and wherever you're listening to this right now. And uh, as always, if you have not subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so right now. We have a deal for $1 a month for the first six months of your subscription. So uh, for $6, you can get six months at The Athletic. And uh, if you do do so, please subscribe off of one of my stories that gives me a subcredit, which helps me out, uh, makes me look good to my bosses. So uh, uh, I would appreciate that. And especially if you subscribed off of the uh, Lakers trade deadline story uh, that Bill and I wrote helped both of us out. Um, so again, thank you guys for listening. I'll be back uh, probably not after the Cleveland game, but sometime either over the weekend or on Monday. Uh, talk to you then.